Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. My name is yeah. Jake Bessling here with Tim Allman. What up? And today we have the joy of chatting with Ted Taylor. He's the executive director of Family Promise here in Phoenix. Um, Ted is known, in our opinions, as a great the man. The man. The great man. <laughs> the storyteller of all storytellers. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the power of story today, especially as Ted um, helps cast a vision, uh, a wider net into the not only one part of Phoenix, but min- just the whole area of Phoenix from the West Valley to the East Valley. And you're going to hear a story of, of really transformational growth that's happening and a, a long-term vision to um, help not necessarily end homelessness. We know homelessness will kind of always be there. Jesus said that he would always be there. Until but, he comes back. But really, until he comes back. But really make a dent in uh, in homelessness, especially for those that have families that are on the street and even those that have families um, that are on the street that have dogs even. You're going to hear a little bit about Family Promises story. Um, anytime we get together with Ted, you uh, share a fabulous story with us. So I'm actually going to go off script and just say, we got to start this whole episode with hearing a fabulous life transformational story um, from Family Promise or something in your own life. Because we'll sit down with Ted and and I'll have all these agenda type questions about Family Promise and the relationship we've had for the last five years. And Ted, tell me this. And it's all fact-based. And he'll just pause and he'll just start launching into (laughs) stories that get us sobbing and crying and get us thinking, wow, there's so much passion in this guy. Mm -hmm. So start us off with a story. All right. So, well, thanks first for the invitation. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you about a one day when I was in the courtyard at Family Promise, I remember walking in that day and a, and a little boy came up to me uh, while I was in the courtyard and, and he just kept following me, which was a little odd. And no nobody around, just this little boy. And so I didn't quite know what to do. I'm just kind of hanging out with him, trying to figure out what to do. So I decided, well, I better do something. So I reached down and put my knuckles out and asked him to give me knuckles. <laughs> and that little boy just gave me knuckles. And so I figured, all right, we're good. No, he kept following me, kept following me. And so, you know, another set of knuckles and then a third set of knuckles. Finally, I decided I better do something. So I walked him back to the day center to see if I could find mom. And sure enough, I found mom and, and I, and I, you know, said, you know, I don't know what's going on. And I said, can I ask you a question? You know, why is he following me this way? And she said to me, well, you know, you just need to know that he hasn't had a father father figure in his life. And so whenever a man's around, he sort of gravitates to that man. And, you know, it really struck me. Um, and I, I in sense, uh, I've thought many times about this because, you see, my wife and I were unable to have children. And I have a lot to say to this little boy. His name is Tyree. Hmm. And so... Just as, just as a point of importance for me, I want to say to Tyree, Tyree, you don't have to worry anymore. Hmm. You're going to be okay. You're going to be safe. Hmm. No child des- deserves homelessness. I also want to say to Tyree, Tyree, you may be without a home, but you have a mother that loves you more than life itself. Hmm. That she would do anything for you. 
and you never have to worry that you won't be safe here. And finally, I want to say to Tyree that, Tyree, I dreamed about the day when I would be able to hold the hand of a, of a young boy like you. So you can rest assured I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you and your mother to get back on your feet so that this can never, ever happen to you again. So I guess what I want to say to the audience is, for me, this is personal. The Tyree is, is no different than every child out there that a parent has that they want to protect. They want to have happiness in their life. They want to be thriving, and yet things get difficult. So that's what I do. I love it. I'm blessed to do it. Thank you for the opportunity to tell the story. So here's the deal, guys, listeners. We didn't prep him on that story. We didn't say, hey, we're going to start with a story. We, we said we're going to start with yourself and then talk about your story, you know, your own life thing. But in an instant, Ted just spoke a story about life transformation through an organization he loves to work with and for Family Promise. And I don't see in you, Ted, like it's an axiom, like, like even our topic today about transformational stories as a leader. It just comes from who you are. Yeah comes from your heart and your passion, and you just can't help but share these stories all around the community. And he's a man it's that's beautiful. shared a lot. A lot. Of stories. A lot of stories. To shape the vision of that organization. And, uh, man, I'm crying, dude. That's so well, cool. I want, I, you I want to be Tyree. I, I, want, I want to be Ted. I, I want to give a little <laughs> bit. I want to, not, not a little bit. I want to give glory to God because I want, to, I want to share something with you. Okay. I actually believe with all of my heart that the Lord gives us tapestry every single day, that he gives us stories if we'll take the time to see them, that that's a blessing. So my desire to share is because he's moved me, he's changed me, he's brought joy into my life, and that joy is an ongoing storyline. So I feel blessed to know the tapestry and to be able to share that like today is just a gift, and I'm just so grateful for that opportunity. That is awesome. The tapestries of story that we interact with, that we would just pause and listen to those people's stories. I mean, it's just the power of of, um, asking someone their story, right? You sit there and you might be the executive director, but you care more about our stories than your own. However, we care a lot about your story today, so we want to start with what makes Ted Taylor Ted Taylor. Um, Tell us about, um, to our listeners who don't know Family Promise, but starting with your own life story, tell us a little bit about how you came to become the executive director of Family Promise in Phoenix. All right, so I'm just going to move through a little bit of navigation quickly. I grew up in Globe, so I'm a small town kid. Um, Did anything good ever come from Globe? Absolutely. Yes, it's a, a Mexican Nazareth? food is incredible. In yes. Let's be really clear. I, I just <laughs> finished my 40th class reunion there, and I, I meet beautiful people in Globe. It. But anyway. On the way to Roosevelt. Exactly right. I repent. So um, went to the U of A and subsequently got a second degree at ASU. Well, I calls it the U of A. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> the U of A, not U of A. And then I went to ASU. Yeah. But, but um, I spent about uh, 14 years in the cotton business. So I was a merchant. I traveled the world. Um, I specialized in Pima cotton. So uh, I did it for a long time and absolutely loved it. Um, but was, you know, just a world traveler and, and had enough of that travel. 
But I uh, reached a point in my life when I was uh, back east starting up a new division for the company in textiles that I came to the realization that it was a very hard break into the East Coast market. And I decided I was done. I just I had reached that point where I couldn't do it anymore. So I came back to Arizona and not knowing what I was going to do, could go back in the cotton business, decided not to. I decided I talked my wife into allowing me to start my own company. So I built a commercial pet products company. I have a couple of patents uh, from that company. And we started selling tables through catalogs across the country. And uh, I ended up getting large enough that they were going to kick me out of my neighborhood because we were using the entire garage patio, had 40-foot <laughs> semis showing up to the front of the house. And we needed to buy a bigger property. And so I approached the company about that and they decided they wanted to purchase the company instead. So I sold the company, not knowing what I was going to do. I ended up uh, getting invited to do a turnaround of an aerospace company here in the Valley. So I did that. And then I did a couple of other companies, a law firm and a construction company. I like how he says, I just did a couple other companies. And then, and then quite frankly, um, I came to a realization that I had spent most of my business career making money. Mm. And in the world's eyes, being successful from the standpoint of title or selling businesses or whatever. But I have to be honest with you both. I wasn't, I had no joy in my life. Man, after all that, all those different titles, money, success. I had no joy in my life. You You got joy now. You can gain the whole world. Yeah. Forfeit your soul and yeah. lose joy. And I would argue that I was there. I was. I was. I thought I was in control of everything, right? Every trade I was making, every action I was taking, the money was just flowing in, and I was miserable. So I did something I had not really done in my life. I quit. Whoa! And I literally gave up. Now I want to just share a piece of this story that's pretty relevant right now, which is that my wife and I. She was my high school sweetheart. What's her name? Debbie. Debbie. And uh, she's my angel for sure. And when we couldn't have children for twenty years, I dove deep into the Bible, and that's not an exaggeration. Almost every night, most of the night, I would not sleep. I would read, and I was trying to figure out what the heck is going on. <laughs> And I never got an answer to that question wow. while I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> so when I gave up, I literally gave up. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I remember saying to myself, I need to do something that just gives me joy. And, I, and so I applied to work at Nordstrom. And your audience, people who know me don't know this. I applied to work at Nordstrom because there was something in me that said, I know clothing, I know textiles, I know cotton, I might be able to do this. They didn't want to hire me. And then they hired me part-time. I'm just telling you, I absolutely love that job. I loved it so much because what I was doing was helping other people feel good about themselves. Mm. That was the core of my job. I loved it. And so I'm only about six months into the job making no money, but filled with joy. And the pastor of my church, who happened to be the chairman of the board of Family Promise, came to me and he said, and he knew something. Of course, I think he and the Lord were colluding on this one. He said, can I buy a suit from you? And he said to me, (laughs) not exactly. He said to me, the executive director of Family Promise is retiring. Mm. And I think you ought to think about this. Did you know what Family Promise was? Yes, I volunteered for three years to help him, my wife and I. And both of us enjoyed it. It was not, you know, like game changing, but bottom line is we enjoyed it. But when that question came, 
something deep inside of me stirred. I didn't understand it. I mean, homelessness is a total left turn. I never worked for a nonprofit, never raised money, don't know a thing about homelessness. It's almost all women. I don't know how to manage women. And <laughs> Perfect fit. Yeah, perfect fit. And but, but the Lord knew something I didn't know. So I said to my wife, I remember the next evening, I said to her, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And she said, if you think this is it, then that's what we should do. Wow. And I have to tell you both, you know me well enough, that that decision has changed my entire life. Not just the tripling of the number of families served at Family Promise, but the joy that has come into my life. The faith journey that has come into my life. I have been transformed from the inside out Mm. by accepting the call that I believe the Lord gave me at Family Promise. Isn't that amazing? I think a lot of times, even as Christians, Mm. followers of Jesus, we get it entirely backwards. And here it is. I got to figure it out. I got to control it. I got to grab on to God and my destiny. And it was in the midst of your surrender that God grabbed on to you. He's exactly. raising his hands, by the way. I mean, that's, that's it. It was transformation. And he was preparing you, but yet he moved, it was a total left turn. And, and because of that, you have found more joy. He's revealed himself to you in more intimate ways than you could possibly ever imagine. And you are lit up on fire in your sweet spot as a leader. Nothing is by accident. And it is at the moment of surrender of control that God does his best work. You know what, it, I, I am known to say this a fair amount. I'm going to just say it to you both now. He came as a child hmm. to remind us that it isn't what we think is supposed to happen. It isn't the way we want it to happen. It's the way he wants it to happen. I praise God daily for not doing it my way, which would have messed everything up. <laughs> Instead, he did it his way, and in his way, when I least expected it, everything changed. The book of Acts talks so much about, this is a story of the early church, about being carried along by the Holy Spirit. I'm within you, and you are just carried along. Very different than pulling God along for my agenda, my plans. We're carried along, and you model that perfectly. So number one core value, Ted Taylor. We got a lot of different leaders, maybe in the church or business, corporate world, wherever. Upper management, whatever. Your number one core value, especially now through that journey. Without a doubt, is a servant heart. It's the desire to help others before yourself. Well, we talk about stories. Um, you naturally lead with a story. I mean, but you got to tell us, how did that come to be? I mean, are you thinking through that a lot? Did you come to that realization? Have you always been like that? Like, were you a kid always telling stories or hearing stories? Because um, some people are like really factual and they don't, I ain't got time for stories or something. But majority of people, I was listening to another podcast today. Um, about uh, Charity Water and the guy that the CEO there, his name escapes me, I apologize, but that he would share facts and it, it and he would share, you know, PDFs about facts, about clean water. It's like, no, just tell me about real life stories about how wells are being built and then people are running in that water and they're rejoicing and then people start to give in that way. So how did you come to really uh, the realization to tell stories? So I I think stories have always been a part of my life. Um, I've always enjoyed the depth of what's happening and to watch it. But I have to tell you that when I was blessed my freshman year of college to live with my grandfather, you see, my grandfather was a storyteller. 
This guy, just to give you a picture, is six foot five, monster of a man, loved to tell stories. And I used to just couldn't wait to hear his stories. And he was always his best audience. He would laugh the hardest at his own <laughs> stories. That. My dad, same way. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah. totally get it. But when I lived with them for a year in, a, in my freshman year of college on the farm in Casa Grande, my grandfather would tell me stories almost every night and mm. some nights till like three in the morning. <laughs> and I just couldn't get enough. And it was the purity of the stories. So he would tell me stories that were so truthful that I could put myself in them. And when you have that much of a storyteller in your life, it just became a part of me. And so I can't help myself but tell stories. And I, and I give him such credit for that, that storytelling piece that I've just been able to bless to pass along in yeah. some way. So I'm going to get into the mind of some of our listeners right now. And uh, I've seen this because I'm a pastor and we talk about God owning everything. Everything we have, time, talent, treasure comes from him. So some of our listeners may be a little cynical. Yeah, Ted Taylor, executive director and not-for-profit, telling me stories to break my heart for children and families that need help. And he's hoping that I would open up my wallet and give thousands of dollars. To that the next three callers to that call exactly. in for $39. He's just telling stories. To get, he's just preaching sermons because the church, all they, all these, they just care about money. What would you say to someone, even a Jesus follower, who has that sort of perspective? Well, two things. First of all, money is the last thing on my mind, and sometimes that frustrates people because you know my board's like, "Aren't you worried about the money?" You know, the (laughs) truth is, is that. If everything changed tomorrow, I've been blessed for a lifetime. Amen. And so I literally am just so grateful that I feel like I've been blessed beyond measure and that I just want to share that story with everybody. I want everybody to experience the joy that I've been able to experience, not by controlling it myself, but by letting go and letting the Lord guide me. And so when I share like stories, even like today, It's because my heart is filled with the joy that comes with the work of serving those less fortunate. The kingdom of God has been revealed to you in the faces of families that have had their lives rocked by love, by love and care of other people. You are seeking, by the power of God's spirit, the kingdom of God. And here's what Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and then everything else. If your ministry, your organization, the heart of your business is turned toward the face of God, moving in his direction, resources, just like you said, are the last of your concerns. And, and I mean, I, I also want to say this to you. Is I, I think it's a piece of a puzzle that when you are filled with gratefulness, yes. when blessings walk before you, I think the last thing on your mind is what's in it for me. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I just want to share it. That's why when I talk to you guys, it's joyful because I, I feel the, the power of Jesus in this space. That's what I feel. <laughs> he is here, man. Yeah. And he owns it all, man. Amen. Why are you worrying, leader? Yeah. About the bottom line. Love other people. Tell incredible stories about God changing lives. And he will get, he loves to give to his kids. Yeah. What are we worried about? Yeah. Matthew chapter six. Look at it. Birds, Lily, it takes care of them. It's going to take care of you. Completely. I mean, so many leaders out there, you're listening um, and you're leading organizations and you might be worried about the next project, the next building campaign, um, the vision actually taking shape. Um, Ted, tell us more about Family Promise. And you guys have some lofty God-size vision, some BHAGs, um, some wildly audacious audacious goals, goals. BHAG. 
wildly important goals. I mean, tell us any advice to that leader as well as you kind of tell us what Family Promise really is and then the big vision of Family Promise to reach Phoenix. All right. So Family Promise is a homeless shelter for families. There's five shelters here in the Valley. We're the one that's different. Mm. Instead of being a site-based shelter, we're an interfaith network shelter, which means we shelter at churches, synagogues, and God willing, someday mosques. Um, So the way we shelter is at five o'clock in the evening, we'll take our families, four families to a hosting congregation. They're going to arrive there. They're going to have a space already set up with beds for them. Each family gets a separate space, private space. They're going to eat dinner at six o'clock at that congregation provided by the families of that congregation. No cost of family promise, no cost to our families. But the key here, and I want you to hear this, is they've determined at family promise, and I would agree with this, that the single highest point of impact for our families is that evening meal. It's just being in, in, uh, at a dinner with the people who care, who love you and care for you, that is a very profound time. And it goes both ways, by the way. It's not just our families that are being blessed. It's also the people serving who are being blessed. So they're going to have dinner. They may have activities after dinner. Then they're going to go to bed. They're on Coleman blow-up mattresses. They'll spend the night there. Uh, Congregational normally provide two people to spend the night in a separate space to watch out for them, and then we pick them up the next morning. That happens seven days in a row at a hosting congregation, and then um, uh, we go to another congregation. So that's how we host. Okay, now, I need you to understand the, the importance of rescuing families in the valley. First of all, they don't stand on street corners. You don't see them on the TV. They don't beg for money. 84% of homeless families in the Valley are single mothers with young children. They don't want to be seen. The reason this is so important is, I, and I want the whole audience to hear this, it's super important. A child who becomes homeless is four times more likely to be sick than a regular child. We'll have 50% of those, fa- of those children will have mental health issues versus 18% of regular kids. And here's the killer. One third of these families will be taken away one of third of these children will be taken away from their families or given up by their families because they're considered unfit. This is really important work. It makes up a roughly a third of the homeless population in Maricopa County. The waiting list last Friday was 200 families. We cannot do that. So we're expanding. That's right. So we're going from rescuing 100 families a year to 250 families a year. We're asking the congregations in the valley to help us do that. We just need 60 of them in total. Right now we have 39. We have 30 we're talking to. We need every congregation we can possibly talk to. That's how we expand. Very inexpensive to provide shelter because they cover all the food costs and the lodging costs. It's a beautiful model. We do it with nine full-time employees. Wow. So we have been blessed over the last, what, four years to be a host site. You and the Ministry of Family Promise were a major part of our move from being internal to externally focused. Amen. And I've talked to pastors, and it's just, uh, okay, I'm going to say it. I don't know if we can host you know, those types of folks. They, I, I don't know if our congregation will respond like that. It's like, come on, are you reading the Bible at all? Where did Jesus go? How did he live his life? He went to the broken and the marginalized and the hurting, and he brought restoration, love, and healing. This is who our God is. And if the body of Christ doesn't step up, 
come on, we we can get those other 21 sites filled in the next three weeks. And I have made calls. For yes, you. you have. And yes, we'll continue to make calls yep. to stand behind the, how it's changed me. The Tuesday or Wednesday night when I come in for a meal. And spend the night. After <laughs> a long day and stay the night, sleep on a couch, to hear their stories and the hope and the grit and the perseverance that's coming from most of these single moms yep. with young kids. And you see these kids, man, they're just kids. Can you look at someone that's broken and just see a human being? Not someone that's at a different spot, but just a human being that will live and die. And the same spirit that lives in me lives in them. They are just a human being. Stop with the, the judgment and the labels. And can you just see even the person on the corner as a human being in need of love just like you? I obviously get pumped up about yeah, this. Yeah, no, man, I, it's core. But it's I totally, core. I totally get it. But I also want to give you the positive side. That's please, the, I get negative. That, please, that's really yeah, incredible yeah. here. I, I appreciate the frustration, but I also want you to know that I believe that the Lord created in Family Promise a love immersion program. Yeah. So, at the truth be told, that what's happening to our children is when you take families and you immerse them in the love of a congregation where there's nothing they can do but pour love into them in good food, friendliness, kids playing with kids. I have watched our children transform. And I literally mean transform from anger, this weird place of anger or um, outrage, out of control, to kids that are just normal again. And the truth is, when you talk to the families, what the mothers will tell you is they can handle homelessness, but they can't stand watching their children Mm. in homelessness. So I believe that Family Promise is the modern-day version of the feeding of the 5,000. You see, we've today... We rescued last year over 70,000 people in 7,000 congregations in 43 states. And all people did, I, I love it when I, say, when I train, do trainings at congregations, all they did was love our families. That's the key behind family promise when it goes to a congregation. So, listener, if you're around the country and you would like to be a part of Family Promise, you can just get on Google, type in Family Promise, go to their website. What is their website? FamilyPromise.org is the national website, okay. and FamilyPromiseAZ.org is Arizona. So check it out and get involved. Um, it is when one of the most inspirational experiences for our local church to be a part of a United States movement. And so get involved in that. One of the coolest things about Family Promise, I don't, it was this in Arizona or nationwide, that there is a relationship with pets. Oh, man, another story. Do we have a minute for the story? Yes, we want to hear the story. All right, so the story is this. So early early on when I got to Family Promise, so this is like 2010, I, we're inviting a family in. There's only two staff members at the time. We invite a family in for shelter, and they're so excited. I remember sitting at the table with them, and their kids are excited. Everybody's excited, and then mom stops for a minute, and she says, um... I've got a dog out front. They can't come to you then, huh? In 2010, the answer, and I, sa- I said to her, I felt really bad. I said, you know, we, we can't take the dog in the shelter, but we may be able to find you a foster to, you know, just to watch the pet while you're in the program. And I'll never forget, she turned us down and they walked out that wow. day. 
Love their dog. And and it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And so what happened is Cheryl and I decided that day we've got to figure something out. So we started just dreaming about ideas and everything. But as only the Lord can do, I want you to hear what happened. Within just a couple of months, I get a phone call <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. And here's the phone call. This is Andy Iscadero, the executive assistant to the senior VP of PetSmart National. What? And he went to your gala the other night and likes what you're doing and wondered if you'd come down and see how we could work together. Yes. Now, you realize, you and I all know that never could I have gotten that appointment. No chance. Got appointment. We go down there, and within one hour, they ask us, do you have a budget? We said, no. Yeah, how are we going to do this? We said, we're not sure. And they said, okay, we're doing it. They said, we're doing it. Give us a budget. It was a $54,000 budget. We opened it within six months, October. We, uh, that October, we opened it, and we've been serving families ever since. But I want to tell you the, the rest of the story because it's profound. That following spring, Joel Leary, who was the senior VP, was now promoted to president. He said, to, of, call, all, "Of all of family, of, of no, of all oh, of PetSmart." Oh, okay, all of PetSmart. Wow. He calls me and he said, "Ted, I just needed to let you know something. I'm going to your national meeting next month in Atlanta, and I wanted to let you know that we're going to offer to build shelters for every family promise across the nation at no cost." Amazing. <laughs> Thank you, God. It's a six and a half million dollar gift we didn't ask for. Come on. I literally just couldn't. We never ask. That's the power of the Lord. When he wants something profound to happen, he shows you the path. Unbelievable. I can't help but remember the 20 years you said you just kept reading the word at night. You know, just Ted's rich knowledge. And I've talked to you about, you know, the gospel of Matthew. And you can just go off on the gospel of Matthew but this rich depth to who Jesus is in your life, and then this trust leader, the trust that God's going to provide for your church, your business, your organization, because you have an outward focus and you want to help uh, the people that God is going to send your way. On the home stretch here, um, as you apprentice and, and lead um, young leaders, um, who are you currently um, looking after and apprenticing um, as young leaders? So um, I am helping a few people internally. Uh, so our director of social work, who's an absolute gift and driven by faith. And to be able to walk with somebody on a faith journey is, is to me one of the greatest gifts to me. And we just enjoy that ride together. You see, I believe that family promise to some degree is the battlefield. We're dealing with families who Satan or the darkness would love to just beat down. And tell them they're worthless, they're not worth anything, and that's not what we're about. We're about light. We're about showing the possibilities, bringing oh. hope back. Yeah. And so that that mentoring has been unbelievable. I also have to say, though, that I have had uh, great opportunities with a few people. Uh, another person on my staff to 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 mentor in boldness and courage, this concept of not being afraid to try. I use a a term term in Family Promise that I'm probably going to scare your audience. They won't want to be around me. But I use a term that I believe is critical to success, and it's ready, fire, aim. And I do that because I'm a big believer in starting. I'm a big believer when you believe in something, be courageous enough to go to do it. 
and then we'll, let's adjust to the directions of the wind. And now as a director, I have to make sure we don't make big mistakes. Right. But I really do believe that, that we have to be willing to start more often than not. That's the inhibitor to change in America or change in our lives. If you, you haven't heard of the, the concept that Ted is sharing there, it's called the Lean Startup Model. The Lean Startup Model. And it literally says, as you say, you get ready, but then we build. And we measure. How's it going? And then we learn. We adjust. And we want to iterate as quick as possible with as many different leaders as possible to dream big dreams, to be smart financially and not be negligent, but but then to start more rather than, yeah, you got to get over the fear, the insecurity. Uh, God wants to do immeasurably more than you, anything you could possibly hope and imagine, and you got to go. The light is green. Go. Here we go. All right. What book are you currently reading? Oh, man. Well, my number one book every single morning, first thing when I'm still groggy, is I open up my Bible. <laughs> and I and I literally... This, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. This I, is I, not I an exaggeration that the Lord makes it fresh every single morning. And I'm really looking for His guidance for my day. That's what stabilizes my day. In the evenings when I'm reading, I read about five books at a time. That's just how I am. <laughs> so some of the big ones right now, Love Does... Yeah. Great book by Bob, uh, Bob Goff. Goff. Yeah. yeah, I love the book, and I think it, it really points to our uh, uh, taking action, which goes to the second book that I thoroughly enjoy reading, which and I've read, read it many times, is uh, Knees, Sit, Walk, Stand. To me, sitting in Christ is one of the most critical pieces of a formula in my life. I have a tendency to walk and stand and run, and, and he wants me to sit. And recognize that the victory has been won and that I really need to trust him. Your passion comes out of sitting with God. Amen. Amen. So one more. You got another one? All right. One more book that I thoroughly enjoy that I think has, a, at least a, for me, a profound influence on my life is, um, oh, I'm going to give you a couple of them. Uh, Bonhoeffer, Being a Disciple. Yeah. For me, this book is profound, and it's and it's profound because he not only walked his faith, he did it in a sacrificial way. He would do whatever was necessary. And I want to just say this to you. One of my goals in life is to surrender so that I have no concerns in the world. I want to give everything I possibly have to him. That's one of my foremost prayers. And to me, Bonhoeffer is exactly that. <laughs> That's amazing. Giving your life away for the sake of Amen. others. It's been a joy to have you, Ted Taylor, on um, Lead Time to see the movement across the nation, um, and especially here in Phoenix, as we witness um, the blessing family promises to so many churches and mosques and synagogues into the future. It's a joy to partner with Family Promise. And uh, listeners, thanks for checking us out today. Uh, on the next episode of Lead Time, we're going to talk leadership development and it's going to be nine steps to take uh, into your organization to foster a leadership development culture join us next time ted thanks for joining us on pleasure time peace peace you have been listening to lead time with tim and jake please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time thanks for listening tune in next monday for another episode